Hello and welcome to or welcome back to a runner's life podcast. I'm the host Marcus Brown. I've gone from a 455 marathon down to running a sub three hour marathon. The idea of this podcast is to explore what a runner's life is by speaking to runners and experts to learn from their experiences and to expand on our own boundaries of what a runner's life could represent. If you want to get updates on the podcast or want to see what I'm up to, follow me on Instagram at a runner's life underscore podcast and at the marathon Marcus, all one word. If you find value in the show, please subscribe and share it with your community and leave a rating on your podcast platform that you use as it helps the podcast grow. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash a runner's life. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's head to the conversation. Hi, Naomi. Welcome to a runner's life podcast. How are you? Hi, Marcus. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Just come off a, um, a morning of training. So feeling really good. Good stuff. Can you sort of tell us a little bit about what run you did today? Uh, yeah, uh, so this morning was actually a session. Uh, I only really do one session like this a week. Uh, it was my VO2 session, so my least favourite. Um, it was 400s, 12 400s, and then a couple of short threshold blocks as well. Because you train with Reading Athletics Club, don't you? So how are you sort of finding that sort of during lockdown at the moment? Yeah, so I actually train, so I compete for Reading Athletics Club and I uh, train there when I've been able to. But obviously at the moment, it's been, the track's been closed pretty much since the first lockdown. Uh, so that's been a struggle. Um, I also train with a group in Winchester. Uh, my coach Nick is from Winchester, so I dip into some of their sessions as well. And again, I haven't been doing that since summer. So yeah, it's been a bit of a lonely winter, but um yeah, obviously I have lots of uh, friends and training partners from both clubs that I can still meet up uh, one-on-one sometimes. So that's what I've been trying to do, really. Yeah, I know this could sound like a first world problem, but same sort of thing and other people can relate to it as well, just not having a track to run in and having to really be adaptable in terms of changing our runs. And I find it slightly challenging. When you say you want to do, say, a certain time or a certain distance, trying yeah. to find a clear road to do it without people or hurdling dogs or kids on scooters it's quite challenging yeah particularly in the winter as well because at least in the summer you can kind of go out at lunch or maybe um a little bit like if it's in the evening you can go out and it's still quite light and you can find somewhere quiet but in the winter it's it's either dark or yeah you've got to nip out during the afternoon at work I guess to find somewhere quiet I tend to go for the business parks because obviously they've been desolate this year so running around um, the local business parks is my way around it yeah I think that's a good way to go I know Andy he's like fod runner on Instagram he does that as well and yeah I try to do that because I mean don't respect I mean everyone's got to get out for their own mental health and physical health but mm-hmm. sometimes it's like when you go out during the morning or afternoon or whatever it's just the parks or you know those sort of natural places are generally packed it's quite hard to to run and you don't want to be that person as well because obviously people are obviously quite scared yeah. about corona and you don't want to be that person like speeding past them going excuse me yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely yeah and I also find I kind of feel a bit embarrassed about that so I tend to be the one that kind of runs in the road or tries to take the wide berth from everyone else and um yeah it can be tricky when you're trying to hit a pace but then I guess if you find somewhere like a business park for your really tough sessions it's nice to get out to the parks and just go at that easy pace and stop if you have to and remind yourself 
just to enjoy the easy ones as well sometimes. So yeah, yeah. I try I try to only do the business parts for my sessions, otherwise it can get very boring. <laughs> yeah, you've just got to switch it up. But we're all having to be so adaptable in our training and just to to get it done. I think everyone's just itching to get get racing as well, because obviously for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean it it has been tricky and I think the tricky thing as well is wanting to race for so long but having to remind yourself to take those that periodization and actually like step back every now and again because otherwise I think people have been training for races kind of since this time last year really (laughs) trying to hang on um, to their training so it has been a really tricky year to get right really yeah you're right because on one hand you feel like you're in a holding pattern aren't you just waiting so you don't want to push too much and you burn out but you want to be at a level where you can get into it but then it makes it slightly uncertain at some aspects as well yeah I mean I definitely had that um obviously I trained for London for April last year and then when you realize it's not going to happen having to take my kind of two weeks downtime that I would have had after the marathon anyway you're so itching to go out and run because you're still fit but I had to take them and then I had to go into a, a speed block and then build up again for the autumn, hoping that I would get into the the race that I did manage to do. So it was, yeah, it was very strange kind of forcing yourself into that ups and downs of training and um, having the rests, even though you didn't really feel like you needed them. But I think if I hadn't done that, you know, it's, it's a very, a year's a long time to hold your fitness, really. You've got to give yourself a break. <laughs> yeah, I think you touched on an important point there about rest and, you know, it's something that we need to do, especially like during like obviously last year and this year and just managing that and just trying to get the balance right. And just moving to the side, I was listening to an interview and you were talking about, obviously you did London Marathon, which we'll get into, but you also mm-hmm. had the option of doing Dorney Lake Marathon, which is the marathon I did last oh, yeah. year. So, I mean, you missed out on that, but I mean, mm-hmm. you didn't mess out on the weather though, but I felt a bit, you know, sad for you guys because literally you had to run in the early morning and it was even colder and the weather was just shocking so (laughs) yeah I mean so Dorney Lake I mean obviously with lockdown I haven't been there that much but usually that's kind of my go-to to to train not so much because it's it's a great place to go but it's because it's just the laps you really get into like the momentum of just being in your own head and kind of focusing on your own run because there's not much else really to think about whilst you're there um, so I, I really like Dorney Lake for getting some really good training blocks in. So that was kind of my backup. And I did do a half marathon there in my build up. Uh, but yeah, um, definitely the conditions and the race that I did do were almost even harder than that. The laps were even shorter. But yeah, the, the, the weather wasn't too bad. It was about 10 degrees. So it wasn't freezing, but getting rained on for two hours really brings your temperature down a lot lower than that. So I think I think that was the thing we all thought, oh, actually quite warm and then obviously your body slowly gets colder and colder which is not the normal when you're running a marathon normally it's getting hotter (laughs) so yeah yeah it's tricky do you find it easy to compartmentalize like the weather conditions when you're running like if it's like up to a point you know especially for like london or like a typical if it was a typical if it was such a typical thing for like a a uk winters day running rain wind Mm -hmm. cold I mean, how do you sort of find running in those kind of adverse conditions as opposed to kind of like um, perfect weather and no wind? Yeah, I think the key thing for me is just making sure I always stick to my intended session on the day, even if the weather is is not great. I mean, obviously, sometimes if, for example, I had a time trial, I might push it back if it was torrential rain. But 
just to get out there in your training in all weather conditions and kind of prove to yourself that you can still hit pace or at least even if you can't hit pace that you can still put a really good effort in 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 those poorer conditions I think it means that when the race day comes around you just kind of put up with whatever you're handed Uh, I think particularly London showed that in that the girls that are the girls of us there that had had to train through the kind of British weather were kind of quite well equipped on the day to to hit those conditions because that's what we were used to so yeah just a case of not being afraid of it in my training so whatever comes up on the day you just go out and and do really yeah I'm just sort of thinking back to like Boston 2018 when you saw the elites wearing you know like <laughs> rainproof jackets and things like that was anyone at London thinking I'm gonna put the jacket on was anyone kind of like encouraging other people to put the jackets on or was you were like no we're gonna brave it and we're gonna <laughs> vests yeah, I mean, um, I think that race, the Boston race was like another level. I think definitely on those kind of days, you you have to adapt your strategy. But um, yeah, for ours, a few did um, wear jackets and a few started in jackets and then threw them off, which was quite a good idea just to get warm. But like I said, it was it was warm to begin with. It was more just the kind of being in the being in it for so long, meant, yeah. especially like our hamstrings and stuff like they really start to like seize up when you get cold. So I think a lot of us were almost thinking it'd be fine. And then it was only as it went on that we realized actually it was colder than we thought. So maybe in hindsight, I would have put on some arm warmers or leg warmers would have been the better thing to do because I was just in my normal kind of minimal race kit. But yeah, that was definitely a lesson I picked up, I think. It's one of those things though, you plan for one thing and then something changes and you you can't be like, is you know, can't do like a rerun, can you? You can't be like, can we just pause this and come back? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely sitting I was sitting on a coach at four AM in the torrential rain in the pitch black, realizing I had to run a marathon in like three hours time <laughs> was I was kind of questioning my decisions. But um, you know, you just anyone that's trained for a marathon, you get there and you're just you've so you train so much for it and you're kind of so ready when it gets to the day that you, I didn't really notice it was pouring with rain when I started. You just get your head in the game and and go for it really yeah that makes a lot of sense i just want to pivot slightly so this podcast is called a runner's life what does a runner's life mean to you i mean i would say because i've i've been running for a lot of my life now more than half of my life now it's just always been something that to me is like so important to to keep uh, in my life like i've done it as a child through i've done it through school and through uni i've done it through my professional exams and through work and a lot of those times I haven't, you know, seen that much success in my competing or my training, but I've always kept it there because it was just so important kind of for my mental health and to kind of switch off at the end of the day or just, you know, if I've been revising to go out and do that and kind of forget about the rest of my day and so I can kind of get to bed afterwards. And it's just, it's always been important to have uh, there for my health really. Um, and I try even now as I kind of aim for kind of bigger things and and quicker times I try and remind myself why I ch- chose to do it really and not not get too uh kind of caught up in the competition side of it until race day and then obviously that's a different story <laughs> yeah that makes a lot of sense and it, just diving into what you just said there you know you run from like an early age and not in all cases some people that run from a young age they end up just because it, it can be quite intense they end up not liking running and they just quit running you know in their 20s 30s type thing how did you sort of manage that process and still keep the enjoyment whilst you're running at this level um I think 
so I've, I've been doing it for a long time but definitely when I was younger it wasn't kind of I wasn't really like grinding away at it when I was younger I used to do it twice a week um, and I'd compete on the weekends every couple of weeks and you know like my parents especially like they were very uh, supportive of it but they weren't kind of pushing me in any particular direction they weren't in the sport really themselves so it was something I enjoyed that was like my thing and I like to go and do and I think I just kind of gradually just built up being able to do it more and more kind of as I became an adult I had more freedom to to train on my own go out on my own and and build it up a bit more so I think probably because I had quite a gradual development in the sport that it's it's always been the thing that I enjoy and that I do for myself and I've motivated myself to do and and that's what's kept me doing it really. I think it's so cool to hear because someone could just look at you from the outside looking in and just think you know Naomi's at this stage and whatever and she's doing this but it's cool to see that actually there's a joy and a passion and a love for the sport as well behind it. Yeah I think especially for something like the marathon it's a lot of miles and it's not always quick and glamorous miles there's a lot of easy running in there and just getting out and and getting the job done I think if you didn't enjoy it there's no point doing it because it's a lot of time spent doing it um yeah you've really got to kind of love that kind of the feeling of of when you when you're running and when you get back and the achievement yeah for sure but let's be honest running isn't always this magical feeling where it all clicks I mean (laughs) how do you maintain a good attitude when when in in the moments that aren't going so well um that's a really good question because I mean I'd I like to think of a good answer but I know myself that if it's not going well then I can definitely be very moody about it and um and unhappy but I think like yeah so like a lot of my training is easy miles and easy running and that's so easy to get out and do because I love it and there's no pressure on those miles so I think the key thing for me is to really make sure that my easier stuff and the stuff that's supposed to be relaxed is kept like that so that when I do have sessions I can really go and and push myself and run well rather than kind of get frustrated at myself I'm not hitting pace when actually I might have been overtraining kind of the week leading up to that so making sure that I, I stick to the, the paces I'm supposed to be doing and the efforts helps. Uh, but then if even then, if stuff doesn't go well, I guess I've just got to remind myself that it's just one session in one month of one year. And this is something I've done for so long now that I know that it will come back around and the next one can be better. So keeping a positive attitude really helps, I think. I guess that also means like keeping a quite a level head as well. Even when you get like a great session, you don't think, okay, wow, this is this is it. But the same when you ha- have a session which doesn't go so well, you miss it just by whatever, you, the same sort of attitude as well. You're just like, well, I gave my best for the day. Yeah, I think in both cases, you can almost kind of come up with so many excuses as well before you've really assessed the session. So like I might say, oh, it was so windy today or it was uh, too hot today. Or even if you run... If you run well, you kind of there's always like things to pick at and and excuses to have. So I really try to minimise my like that kind of assessment of things and just look at a week or a month as a whole and how I'm progressing slowly rather than picking away at kind of individual reps and that kind of thing. Because there's always going to be a factor that means you're a little bit faster, a little bit slower that day. I guess is that looking at more of the stuff that you can control? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. Like, um, there's there's so many aspects of running, and particularly marathon running and racing, because there's they're so few and far between. When you actually get to race, you can drive yourself mad, kind of thinking about, oh, 
this one this bit was windy or this bit was too cold or I you know I got kind of caught up on this corner someone cut me up like all these things are always going to happen so all you can do is kind of focus on training running to feel uh doing the best you can and it's it really helps if you do that in your training it really helps on race day as well and your taper not to just be hanging on to all of those fears for race day but just know that you've done the training in all those different scenarios and conditions and um, the race will will go well Hopefully. yeah yeah but sometimes it it does and sometimes it doesn't and I find especially in my experience of running it's you know the marathon you know it does expose the things it exposes us in the worst way sometimes the things that we've not worked on yeah. or things that we kind of let slide come up to, to you know really come to you know to the fore I mean how do you kind of manage that that sort of juxtaposition really between you know trying to do your best but knowing that that can happen at the same time yeah, I think you're right that it really exposes the things that you don't work on. And also one I learned that just because you do something wrong once and you, you think you might learn from it doesn't mean that you're not going to get it wrong again. So, for example, I've ran, I ran my first kind of four marathons were all very close in time, about five minutes between each other. And each time I was the next one, I was hoping that I would take off kind of 10 minutes or however long and I was going to get this bit right. I was going to get my bottles right. I was going to get my pacing right. And, you know, to get like four times in a row, still going off too fast or still being overconfident or, you know, not getting things wrong and like not seeing that progression, like can be very frustrating. But um, yeah, like just persevering and kind of really kind of having a word of yourself and making yourself realise, you know, you need to pull back the pace here or you need to work on these elements and then you know eventually I did see the the 10 minutes I was hoping the jump I was hoping for uh but yeah it's a long game and there's a lot a lot to learn and a lot to get wrong but if yeah if I I had to keep at it for five marathons before I got it right but you know those days do come if you work hard enough yeah absolutely and I that's a really interesting point because I want to come back to that because that's something I want to talk about and also just tag on what you've just said there it goes to show with like Sarah Hall as well she, she got a PB at 37 so and she's been yeah. going it for a long time so it just goes to show that you know you've got to put the work in and it, that it you know it should pay off you know if you put the work in yeah and it also doesn't mean that if you have a bad race that you didn't put the work in like um it, it's a tough sport and yeah. there's always going to be days where you think you're in one in great shape and it just doesn't come together but I think the there's a lot of a mental aspect to getting yourself through the training for a marathon and it's just the same to kind of pick yourself up after a bad race and and go for the next one because it's not like you can just do one two weeks later yeah. um but everyone contributes to a later success I think and like yeah people getting into their kind of late 30s and still PBing is just great testament to that yeah like you said there I think the marathon definitely does keep you humble yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> it's definitely like a moment where like I've got this I mean you, f- you might feel confident in you know you're, you're training but you know you never go into it thinking 100% I'm gonna smash this hmm. even you might even get halfway and you still don't know how it's going to end up <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so I think a lot of people can relate to that for sure and I just want to go back to something on your Instagram profile page hmm. on your you've got a scripture bible scripture can you talk about this and just talk about the role that faith has in your running as well 
Yeah, um, I have to remember which one it is because I change it. I think it's Philippians, which is yeah. I think it's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me at the moment. (laughs) To double check, but um, yeah. So I've I've been a Christian a long time. Uh, My parents kind of took me to church, so that's something I've always had. And um, yeah, I think like having that like really also is another thing that gives me a sense of perspective in terms of like you said earlier, like how do you cope with those tougher days? Like for me, kind of my faith is is something bigger than just the running and I like to kind of make sure that I show my faith through my running so for example like just the support giving the support to kind of your team members and other people and and being humble in your in your defeats but also being and also being humble when you do well (laughs) you know kind of and and help um, supporting other people as well like I think that's something that's really important to me and um, also just knowing that for me, like, like from, from my faith, I kind of think that, you know, there's a plan for me in the future. So if something doesn't go well on a day or even if running kind of never works out for me the way I hope it will, then like I know that there's kind of something else that I should be doing. So it, it helps me kind of not worry too much about my training and about what I'm supposed to be doing, really. <laughs> Yeah, and I imagine as well, you maybe recognise, I could be putting words in your mouth and you tell me if I'm wrong, that you, yeah. you know you're not doing it all through your own strength as well, that there is... Yeah, exactly. Like that particular scripture, like I don't want to kind of take it out of context in, in what it's saying, but like I like it for the thought of, you know, it's not through my own strength that I can do these things. And sometimes I I might get to a point in a race where I feel like that's the end for me and I, I don't have anything more to give, but then you know people talk about like digging deep and and finding something like for me it's kind of kind of I'm I'm being given that strength to to help me and also kind of not just in my running but in my work and in, in everything I do really and I imagine do you use like these sort of scriptures as mantras possible prayers conversations with God whilst you're in those sort of deep that those deep waters <laughs> of the marathon yeah I mean it's like it's I normally start races with kind of like like for me like prayer is more of just like a conversation it's not like kind of I don't know if people aren't Christians they might think it's a kind of formal kind of dear God blah 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 but for me it's just kind of like that constant conversation so I think I start my races like that and then I I'm sure you know you get to points in a race where you can barely kind of string a thought together (laughs) so I'm more just kind of like kind of crying out in my head for any any kind of I don't know any bit of strength that I can have but um yeah definitely it's I think other people might for example they they say oh every mile I I think about a person that's important to me or you know every 5k there's like a I've run that for a different person like people have different ways and for me definitely kind of uh prayer is is one thing that I use yeah like you said I think it's like a conversation and it's probably one of those things that you kind of dip in and out of depending where you are in the race and I can imagine and just tell me if I'm wrong like sometimes when I'm running or you know the marathon myself that I'm not consciously thinking of anything I'm just kind of <laughs> just in the process of just because you've done the training so you're kind of just thinking about the processes and then something will happen then you think about a certain maybe scripture or a mantra that comes in and then it comes for that moment then it kind of goes and you have to go with where the moment takes you yeah I think it's funny people often say to me uh what do you think about when you're running or like when you're training or do you take music and I I'd say well I just I'm thinking about running <laughs> like but you're not thinking right 
left foot right foot kind of like but you are just like you just have a constant kind of inner inner monologue but sometimes that can just switch off to literally just like uh like I've read articles for example that say that you know pacing is so important and having paces is so important because even just the thought of having to keep keep your pace is almost like energy you don't need to be using and so actually sometimes you just want to switch off entirely and and almost yeah just sit behind a pacer and let them do the work for you so yeah it's hard to know what I'm I it's hard to even recall what I think when I'm running but I know it's a lot of kind of ramblings of a mad person probably in a monologue of various thoughts (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm interested to know what I said that because I imagine like a lot of people thinking like there's not actually not a lot of thought going on up to a certain mm-hmm. point, do you know what I mean? It wouldn't be like a dissertation. It'd no. be like short random bits and you're like, you'd always be embarrassed to tell your parents it, you know, or share it with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, the most important thing is I try not to think about my pace too much. Like you should get to your race day and know and, and have kind of learn your pace or at least learn your marathon feel. So I think a, a mistake I've made in the past and that others may make is... um you kind of pick the time you want to run and then it's like, okay, if I want to run a sub three, I've got to run X pace. And then you just spend your whole time thinking, am I on pace? Am I on pace? Oh, speed up a bit. Oh, that one was three seconds too slow. Whereas actually the best thing to do is in your training, really develop a feel for what feels right at a pace. You know, I I know I can keep this up for 26 miles. And then on the race day, you're kind of the conversations I'm having with myself is, you know, is this the right feel? Can I continue this? Is this comfortable? Rather than what, like, is this within a second of the pace I should be doing kind of thing? Um, So that's, I guess that's my, something I've definitely learned is I used to really talk myself through the pace, whereas now it's much more about um, comfort and feel. And trusting yourself. Yeah, definitely. And trusting the taper and the training that you'll you'll be there on the day. Yeah, the, the taper is such a weird time. And then you get into the race itself and it's just like legs. Where have you been all this time? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it feels so weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I used to do quite a long taper um, when I when I first started marathon running. I wasn't um, particularly that wasn't my particularly main focus. It was just, I kind of picked out for fun almost. So I was a little bit new to it. And I, in my taper, I used to take quite a long taper because I assumed, you know, you don't really want to be doing much at all before your race. Whereas now I actually, I probably do about a 10 day taper, but even within that, I'll probably do a couple of faster uh, bits of running just to get that turnover. Because otherwise your legs almost, you almost forget how to run in those two weeks. Your legs kind of switch off a bit. So definitely I've, the taper is something that really takes people a while to to find what's right for them so you go for like a shorter taper rather than a longer taper yeah I mean I'd say um it's for probably the two to three weeks before a marathon I'm I'm coming off of like the peak of a block so you know there is it is a, a gradual taper but I'm really not into full taper mode probably until about 10 days before um and one thing that I've started in the, my last couple of marathons is I keep up the frequency of my running. So, for example, if I was to run twice a day on a day, I might still do two runs, but there'll be uh, probably half the distance um, and maybe a lot quite a bit slower than before. Whereas prior to that, I used to say, oh, well, it's my taper, so I'm going to run kind of only like three times this week or or every other day or whatever. Whereas I, I think keeping that frequency in uh, keeps your body like, aware that you're still kind of preparing for something 
but it because I I do quite a lot of mileage you know that frequency for me is, is quite easy if I'm halving the amount of the mileage I'm actually doing yeah yeah that, that makes sense and I think like you said you've just got to find what works for you and then once you do this it, it also it helps as well get you more confident up to a point be more comfortable leading into the marathon because there's all you know there's all these uncertainties but it's just I guess getting yeah. to that point of just knowing what works for you and, and building that confidence yeah definitely and I think you you almost have to be yeah you really do have to have that confidence because my taper might be so different from someone else's and it's easy to look at someone else's and think they're doing more or they're doing less or are they going to be in better shape than me or am I doing it wrong whereas actually if you're all doing it the same then a lot of you are doing it wrong because everyone's just different so yeah if you go in with that confidence it stops you getting like that paranoia in your last week before the race that, that you're doing it wrong yeah I totally agree just thinking what is the best piece of advice that you've been given so far for your running journey oh that's a good question oh no I don't want to offend anyone by not saying something a piece of wisdom someone's given me this is quite a boring one but I do think that the the day my mindset switched almost from doing my training to feel and training to see like that progression over over time um, and, um, rather than you know picking a a speed or picking a time and saying that's what I want to achieve and I'll be happy when I get that has really changed my outlook on on training and on racing because I think it's quite easy to think oh once I get this time I'll be happy but actually you get that time and then you want you want to go faster so definitely kind of training to feel and knowing that it's a long-term journey for me is is a really kind of good piece of advice I was given and something I've learned which is difficult because you want results straight away but actually taking it as a long-term journey has really helped me that's not really a very succinct piece of advice but (laughs) I guess it's a lesson (laughs) no no it is I think it's just trusting yourself in a different aspect really It's, it's still the kind of same theme and you know, not getting so fixated in the times and the numbers that you just don't enjoy it, but then still try. It's like, on one hand, you, you still keep it close, not saying you think, oh, whatever, I'm just going to see what happens, mm. but then not letting it be your absolutely everything. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, yeah, to say that I'm running, I'm just running to feel like it sounds a bit wishy washy and like, almost like I don't have, have goals. Almost obviously. At the moment, particularly with the Olympic trials coming up, I have I do have big goals and, and I know the times that I need to be running. But if you let that kind of rule your training and you're not hitting that in your training, you almost kind of give up or and let yourself go into a downwards slide. Whereas actually, if you just think, right, well, I'm better than I was six months ago. So whatever happens at this race, I should have progressed. Like you, I, I found I've ended up doing a lot kind of, making bigger steps with that kind of attitude and taking away the the kind of really specific time goals. Yeah, that makes sense because on one hand, you want to keep your goal, but you don't want it to be like a limiter, like you're saying, if that's on your mind in every mm. run. Not saying you, you, you're not bothered about each run, but I know what you mean in the sense of just not letting it define the run. Because it, it could actually, you, you never know. Some In some cases, you could actually go faster than that. Mm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> For example, if you want to break sub three, if you're just thinking that like that happened to me last year so two years ago I think that I've just you're just limited by that but you just don't know how much further you can go because you're just thinking 650 pace 650 pace that's mm. it 
Yeah, I, I, in fact, that's interesting, actually. I'd be interested to know your take on this because, yeah, like where I am kind of now, yes, there is an, an, an Olympic qualifying standard, but other than that, it's, it's really just about making kind of a, like quite small gains because there's not a huge amount of chunks you can kind of take off each time. So when you're going for sub three, was it, did you find that six the 650s were kind of limiting you from pushing any harder? Did you train just to that pace or was that, I don't know, was that kind of right for you or do you, do you think you could have gone a bit quicker? I think initially it takes your, like your body a while to get used to be able to doing it, like the physical mm. side and the mental side has got to catch up as well. And I feel at the start I was forcing it. You know, sometimes you're trying yeah. to base a pace. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. So you just learn through each race. And I feel the race when I did break it, I was a lot more relaxed. And even in the training runs, we're running to run fast in a 650 pace. So I knew that it was going to happen. Yeah. Whereas before, I think I was running up and around that. Maybe it wasn't my coach thinking that, but I think it was my own mind. I think I had to just relax. Like you say, just not that you don't mm-hmm. care about it, but you just kind of have to let it go a little bit and trust yourself and just see what your body does at those paces. Yeah, definitely. I mean, interestingly for me, the so I ran about four marathons all around the five, uh, sorry, uh, two fifty-ish mark, a couple of minutes above or below. Uh, the time I ran two thirty-seven, I didn't have any signal for most of the race because it was in Frankfurt, where actually you're in the city centre to begin with, so the the GPS isn't great. And it and I know that for the first five miles of that marathon, after looking back at your those like you know you go through the timing mats, so you do get yeah. your splits at the end. I know my first five miles, I think I averaged about six tens and to, and the time I did on average was six minute miling. And if I'd known that I went through my first five miles at six tens looking at my watch and that overall I, I wanted to run six minute miling, I probably would have given up. I would have thought I'm nowhere near. Yeah. So it's fascinating to to look back at it and think, wow, I actually the race that I didn't have my GPS, I actually um sped up and did and kind of ran as you're kind of supposed to run a marathon slightly um kind of try and go even pace or slightly quicker at the second half and that was the first time I'd ever ever managed to do that because all the ones prior I was just clock watching basically the whole time and and you get too much in your own head and almost don't think you can do it that's the thing though like about technology it's really useful but like you're saying it can really be a massive handbrake especially you know, even at the beginning of the marathon, because one, you could even go too quick. And the second half, you might say, not in all cases, if you might slow down or something happens, then it can get in your head. I think like you said another yeah. one about not using the watch so much. Yeah, I'm I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to do more of my, especially my easy runs, I try to not use my watch, or at least if I have it, just not look at it, because the easy ones are supposed to be at no kind of pace, just an easy pace. And you can still get locked into thinking oh well this easy run is 30 seconds a mile slower than yesterday's easy run and what's wrong with me but um so yeah I do try and, and not worry too much about the watch but like you said it, it can be so useful it's, it's tricky to pull yourself away from it really because the data is so useful to have I think you, I'd be at a disadvantage to not use it at all but it's about getting a balance really and certainly I've learned I, I try not to use it in my actual races I use it as a training aid but when it gets to the race day other than, you know, a glance every 10 miles or so, just to make sure that I'm not <laughs> miles away. I try not to use it in my races. Yeah, I think that's such a, a great sort of takeaway because I think even in my last race, I was kind of similar. You know, like you said, I think it's such a great 
tool to use in your training runs and things like that. But I remember towards the second half of the, the marathon, I remember I started feeling quite ill and, you know, Dawny, you've been there so many times, you know, the weather can turn and was getting yeah. headwinds and, and the rain. So I knew that there was a lot of stuff happening externally. I just thought I do not need to look at my watch to, to give me the feedback. Mm. I just need to trust my legs, trust the training. Yeah, especially somewhere like Dorney, because I, I don't know what it is about there, but it's always windy down one side, <laughs> even on like the sunniest day of the year. So if you're trying to hit like an even pace throughout, you're probably going to end up pushing too hard on, on one side and maybe chilling a bit on the other side. So that's the kind of environment where you really need to just go by feel and make sure that you're averaging out the right kind of pace. Um, so maybe looking at every every lap rather than <laughs> every mile. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And just sort of pivoting to one side, so you've done, you know, some interviews, obviously post London Marathon as well, you know, mm. you've got a lot of attention in terms of just your positioning as well. And and I imagine you've been asked like a lot of the same questions, and even I'm probably asking some of the same questions that you've been asked before. But mm. if you're on the other side, what question would you ask yourself or what topic would you like to talk about that doesn't really get asked so much? I quite like to talk about how the importance of running had for me kind of when I was when I moved from school to to work because I think because I've run since I was 11 or at least I've run at a club kind of most of the time since I was 11 I think people often assume I've kind of run it's been the same for me that whole time like it's always been a similar commitment level whereas actually at um, the end of school like start of university time I was I was on the edge of kind of just quitting it really and because for me it was like well if I'm not going to be like kind of you know kind of national level or like really successful with it like maybe it's not worth pursuing and I think I really would like to encourage people of that kind of point in their life either kind of pre-uni or or graduate level that like sticking in your sport is something that can be like so good for you because for me I I was on the edge of, of quitting or at least you know I was just going to become a casual runner but I decided to enter a marathon as an excuse to keep training and it was it was the best decision I made because it was just so good for my mental health to have to be making myself at first kind of go out after work and get these runs done and you know it it was tough at first but it's built into a habit from like my adult life and um, something that I think has been really beneficial to me for my mental health so yeah anything around around that kind of transition period I love to talk about so there's obviously a period of time where you doubted yourself potentially as a runner and maybe questioned like why am I doing this if I'm not you know at this yeah going for this level potentially I mean I know you spoke about it generally but how did you overcome it like how I know it's hard to sort of compress yeah. like several years into like two minutes of conversation but just yeah. sort of general like tips and takeaways yeah so I so I was quite fortunate in my series of events. So I started at my, where I work at KPMG, my accountancy firm, for, um, as a school leaver. So it was out of school um, and they actually sent you to university. So I did six months of work and six months of uni, um, which they then kind of supported for three years. Um, and they actually said to me, uh, you've got to go to Birmingham to do it. Like that's where the course is. So I didn't really have a choice in my university but it was so fortunate that's where I ended up because obviously Birmingham uh, for athletics, they have a fantastic uh, setup there. So I was very fortunate in that. And I kind of turned up there and thought, well, I'm a runner. I'm like in Reading, you know, like I'm not a bad runner. Like I do all right for the club. So I'll join 
Birmingham and it was really like a kind of shock to the system you know I was one of the slowest runners there and it was it was really the first few weeks I realized kind of wow I'm like nowhere in this group and I'm I'm doing this job and this degree kind of together and I don't really know if I've got time for this and maybe I just won't bother but you know the there are girls there that were so supportive and there's a great team atmosphere and then when I came back to Reading I still had my team here and it was just such I'm just so pleased that I kind of kept at it because actually I had you know periods of time where my work was very stressful um, particularly doing it with my exams and just having that running as a something of away from that which I am like friends away from that and um, something else kind of to do in my life was just so important to me and I think I'm just I'm so pleased that that's kind of how where I ended up going because maybe if I'd gone to another university I, I would have stopped and actually I think that my work life would have been a lot more stressful for it to not have have running as well to to get away from that so yeah I was really happy with how it ended up really. Am I understanding this right so are you saying that basically the balance that you had with your professional life helped mm-hmm. actually develop your running life because it wasn't everything in one basket so to speak yeah it was kind of it was hard to juggle both but then they did also both help each other because I I would be at uni for three months and with these girls who were like fantastic at running um, and then I'd go away for three months uh, back to work and when I was at uni I think it was important to have it was important to have that kind of job that I had to do so that I I wasn't so concerned about being at that top level of competition in running but then also when I had a stressful day at work and I was you just want to go home and go to bed like getting yourself out for a run really helped your kind of recovery from a hard day's work as well so the two complemented each other well although you know the kind of the better you get at, at running or the more you get into your career like obviously it's harder to juggle the two but it was definitely really good for me to have both of those yeah and I imagine when people talk about you know the argument between talent and hard work you know they probably say like you know talent up to a very young age you can get away with but then up to a certain age everyone's working hard and has talent so when you were at university and you've got these people who've got talent and working hard what did Mm. you lessons did you learn from them to think oh okay I'm going to take that into my running and what helped you kind of kick forward excuse the running pun there yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I think um I can remember for example we we went on like a weekend away type thing with the with the athletics club quite early on and I remember one of the girls the alumni girls that they were interviewing I remember her saying or they said like that she'd got a first class degree and that she'd also ran for uh, I think it was England uh, it might have been Britain that year and I remember thinking like oh wow like it's not like these people are successful because they're putting so much into it like she, it's not like she's kind of not bothered with the degree and she's just put everything into the running you know she's got a first and actually it's she's kind of driven herself to get there and I think that kind of resonated with me in that especially now like I I want to keep getting as faster and faster in the marathon and and working as hard as I can and no one's gonna hand it to me and certainly I don't have a a kind of past history in my athletics career of like winning big cross countries or you know I don't have that head start so it's just a kind of it's just so important for me to just make sure I'm kind of motivating myself and putting myself in the best environment to achieve what I can really. And I guess, like you said, you're when you're around these people, I guess on one hand, I'm probably putting words in your mouth here, but 
you kind of see them as regular people, even though they might have that super level at the beginning. Like, actually, I can see that they're just doing these things and I can do it myself. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you definitely realise that you, no one's having it handed to them. No one, even the most talented people are working hard and, and grafting in sessions and, you know, kind of ending up lying down on the track at the end of the day, like exhausted, that like they're putting the hard work in. So if they can do it, you know, why can't you do it? <laughs> yeah. And you spoke about, you know, at the beginning, you know, just the difficulty in the transition. So move for, moving forward to where we are today, I understand you're not a full-time sponsored athlete, am I right? Uh, no, I'm not, no. <laughs> okay. And so you've got to be smart with your training because you work full-time, like you said, you're a chartered accountant. I mean, how do you yeah. get the, the rhythm right between, you know, work, but then making sure that you're doing, the, you know, the, the quality work required to be at the standard that you want to get it to and running? Yeah, I mean, so recently I have kind of probably tipped the balance to have a bit more focus on the running. So since uh, January, I've actually been taking... Uh, Wednesdays off hence for hence we can have this podcast at 2pm um uh yeah I've been um I've been taking a little bit more time out to focus on running where I can but I'm still working four days a week and previously to Christmas it was five days a week but for me it's it's kind of planning uh well I I tend to plan the week ahead but at least planning that day okay if I'm going to get this session in or these two sessions in when do I have to do them? When do I have to wake up? When will I have to go to sleep the day before to make sure you know I'm recovering enough? Uh, do I need to do something at lunch? Do I need to move a meeting? Or um, And just making sure, you know, I I plan everything to make sure I can fit it in. And then the hardest thing, but I think the key thing for me is, is really trying to keep my working hours within my working hours, which I think in lockdown especially, for lots of people is quite hard because you almost, if you're at home, you almost um, just kind of let work just continue into your evenings or just you just do what you need to do until your work's done. But for me, it's really important to kind of draw a line under my working day and make sure I get out and do that session on time, uh, which has was difficult in the summer because I, we have our busy season is in the summer. So training for London and working was quite hard. But yeah, you... It's, it's just as hard to almost be strict with yourself at stopping doing certain things than it is to motivate yourself to go go out and do certain things. Yeah, I think you're right. Like when you're at home, especially during lockdown, you know, you've got that commute. So you've got that extra hour or so in the morning and even, yeah. and even in the evening as well. So that can blur into, you know, your home life. And because there's no sort of differentiation between the spaces, it's quite difficult. But then also you mentioned as well yeah. that you then you work four days. But then even though you're doing four days, you're still compressing five days into four days yeah I mean I, I was quite fortunate in that I changed so I changed my job role slightly uh, last October so I had I was lucky enough to be able to like kind of rebalance my work portfolio so and I said you know I'm gonna hopefully be taking off this time before um, uh, London uh, sorry the marathon trials so I, I've been really supported at work in terms of sorting a portfolio that means that I, I'm not kind of working loads on my other four days um but instead it's a good balance but yeah it's tricky it can be tricky um obviously as well I think it's important not to beat yourself up if you if a day doesn't go to plan like there are some days where I'm supposed to do um kind of a second thing in the evening whether it's in the gym or, or whatever and you know you just don't get end up doing it and the important thing is to kind of draw a line under it and, and go forward in your training rather than think, oh, well, maybe tomorrow I could do extra or, or whatever. <laughs> it's, it, 
it, sometimes you, you can tie yourself out by just um, putting yourself down a bit too much if you don't manage something. And it's important just to make sure you you do what's right for you on that day. Yeah, like you said, you're planning the day, but you're also being kind to yourself. Mm. Yeah, and flexible where you have to be. I think, yeah, flexibility is such an important lesson. I think so many people have had to, we, we haven't had a choice really to learn it, you know, especially during lockdown. <laughs> it's Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's something we're all having to, to be better at being learned to to learn to pivot and just to kind of be flexible but it's not easy but um, no thank you for sharing that and I just wanted to move into the training aspect now this point is something that's actually quite close to me because it's something that I'm trying to do at the minute now I know you spoke yeah. about at the beginning of the conversations that you did you know several sub three marathons I think ranging from 254 down to 248 before you had yeah. the breakthrough of you know 237 in Frankfurt and then 233 in in london so my coach i was speaking to him on my my podcast and he, he dropped this bombshell on me he was like okay now you've done sub three but i think you can go you know to the 230s i was like thank you for sharing that with everyone before you know, <laughs> told <Yeah>. me. <laughs> so coming I, 2022 <laughs> yeah exactly one year but no I, i'm saying i don't I, I know he believes me to do it I, i'm sure he's just sort of kind of trying to gas me up which i think you know doesn't do yeah. anyone any good so but it's good to have that sort of faith in, in people anyways but Anyhow, so what your your journey is like really amazing to sort of see. And I'm just trying to think, although you can't compress like, you know, several years of training into like one two minute answer. I'm just trying to think for myself. Can you pinpoint Hmm. any specific things that helped you go down from the 250 range down to the 230 range? Yeah, I mean, I think so. My first one, I like I said, I kind of almost entered the marathon because I wanted a a goal, a new goal. um, And obviously prior to that I was very much you know you do kind of cross country and track and field as a youngster but you don't do that kind of long running so I I entered it thinking it was it would just be a great goal um and I guess I prepared for that by just doing my normal Tuesday and Thursday sessions and then a long run on a Sunday which got a bit longer every week until I got to the race and I think I was I benefited from obviously having quite a long uh period behind me of of training but certainly get like that long distance was was really tough and on the day I didn't really know what what time I'd run so I was delighted to run a 254 because I was kind of going I was kind of hoping around 315 ish so that went that one went well but then from there it was so hard for quite a long time to really see a progression and I I like so much I did change so much over that time so I started doing more kind of marathon pace work and threshold work I started double running I increased my mileage you know I was really into my nutrition and making sure that was right and so for kind of a couple of years to not really see much progression was um hard but I think I mean there are things that happened in that one year that where I did go down to 237 I mean for example I qualified in my job, so I was no longer studying. So that was a little bit easier. Um, I started working more from home, so less commuting. I started doing more volume. I actually got a new coach as well, who obviously was a huge help towards that goal. But I would say that a lot of that improvement did come from those former years where I was I was working hard, but I just wasn't seeing it in the races. But actually, that was kind of slowly contributing towards the improvement eventually I think some people maybe beat themselves up a bit when they're not seeing that improvement but it's it's a consistency and getting getting your training 
right consistently keeping recovering well and keeping injury free which will see the the end result really sometimes you just have to wait for it a bit (laughs) yeah I think you're so right because I've had other guests say the same sort of thing you know it's not like a one or two year thing you know it's it's, you know it's amount of time spread over time and to get there and it's encouraging to hear that I mean obviously not during like you say because sometimes you can have like a couple years and you're thinking I'm doing all these things and you're getting marginal gains you're thinking of what else I need to be doing and like you're saying it's just yeah keeping the faith keeping patience which isn't easy at that time yeah definitely and I mean there are a few things which I think are super important and so you know a right to focus on for example getting the sleep you need is important where you can I recently I I was at some I can't remember what it was but it was a running based event and someone said that you know the um, the sleep you get between a certain period of time I think it's about 11 p.m to like 2 a.m is so important so you know even if you're not the kind of person that can get nine hours in if you're getting getting the hours in that are important for you for you kind of like at the right time of night rather than being a night owl or whatever is can really help so that so I'm I'm trying at the moment at that to make sure I'm sleeping over that period and um yeah and like your nutrition how you're fueling and recovering from sessions is important and um yeah if you can build up your your mileage gradually building that up like all these things are important and one big thing for me is I I in the last two years I've done a lot more work at threshold pace so that's kind of a little bit quicker than your marathon pace yeah uh, unless you're Kipchoge he can pretty much run a marathon at his threshold but for most people it'll be more like your half marathon pace I do a lot of work around there rather than you know really fast stuff or yeah like that threshold pace can really help you in the marathon so I guess sleep nutrition building up your mileage consistently and threshold is is probably the top things for me but it's it takes a long time to get all those things right and if you keep doing them consistently you'll get there yeah no it's great advice thank you and uh, yeah I think it's it's similar to what my coach would say about you know the speed in terms of you know building that speed quicker than your marathon pace and extend it being able to extend it out rather than trying to get into a a marathon block and trying to chase speed that you don't have and potentially yeah definitely yeah I really liked your answer because I, I sometimes it's really hard when people ask me that question and go, well, how did you go from this time to sub three? And it, it's, you can't just be like, there's one magic workout. You're like, there's not just one thing. Like you said, there's lots of little things. And I like the, the point that you added as well, that it's all these little things, but it takes time and just to be patient. And, you know, you know that some things, knowing that although it might not go great in some times, you know, to be patient, just keep doing the right things and, you know, your time will come. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I certainly, I remember being out for so many runs, uh, like with my husband, for example, when I was a two, uh, say fifty, for two forty nine runner, saying, "Oh, I'm going to run. Under, I know I can do two forty, or I I feel like I'm a two forty runner. I'm going to run under two forty. And you know, it was probably another eighteen months until I did it. <laughs> but I knew I was doing the training I needed to do, and I was I had that kind of confidence in myself. And, you know, he kind of supported me in that and I got there eventually. But sometimes, you know, other people might not kind of agree. Like I, I, I certainly told other people who probably are a little bit like, hmm, I don't know if you're going to get there or a bit sceptical. But if you have the drive to do it, I mean, obviously everyone would love to be kind of, you know, no, not everyone's going to run world records. But if you have the, the drive and motivation to be the best you can and you keep at it, then yeah it will come but it's hard to pinpoint 
you know one magic thing that you did to improve <laughs> yeah because like all the races before even the races that you feel probably didn't go so well actually did contribute in the learning the growth the development to where you are now yeah definitely and I think one thing about the marathon is it's hard to, I don't think anyone can have a fantastic race on their debut I mean obviously people do have super fast races on their debut but even I'm sure even they will have stuff to learn from and it, it can take years but that's because you're probably only running one or two in that in that year so you have to kind of allow yourself to learn from each one and like take that on to the next one really yeah that that makes a lot of sense and just talking about the marathon I mean I want to get into London but before we get into that I mean can you sort of tell us what you're up to now and what you're excited about racing and training wise yeah so so like I said I'm training I'm, I'm working four days a week at the moment because I'm in my peak kind of marathon build at the, for the Olympic trials which are on the 26th of March so just over a month now uh, it's come around very quickly um so yeah I'm focusing on that really hoping that I can make another kind of step forward in that I'm feeling quite fit and, and confident so I'm just hoping that I can you know maintain that fitness through for the next month stay healthy um so that's what I'm focusing on right now um I've probably got another couple of weeks and then I'll I'll start coming down gradually to taper for that and then I guess after that it's I'm in the same situation as everyone else really is that you never really know at the moment what races are gonna happen or be on although it looks like hopefully we've got a bit of hope for the autumn so I guess I will be working on a little bit of speed work in the summer maybe trying to see if there's any 10ks on and then I would love to be able to do something like the Great North Run and and an autumn marathon. But I guess we have to see what's on. <laughs> Are you hoping to do London again? In October? Yeah. Um, yeah, it depends on... I mean, it really depends on what other race opportunities come up. Um, I'm not sure at the moment, really. Maybe I'll look for a September one, because I think that one's quite late, isn't it? Um, October time. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, but yeah, possibly. I mean, I obviously I've done. A, I'm a, a serial London marathon runner, so I wouldn't be surprised if I end up there. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I mean, but I guess you, you work hard in your professional life. You know, you spend a lot of time training. I mean, do you ever sort of take a moment to like pause and reflect and enjoy the moments of where you are now? Because the way I look at it is like fitness and running is rented. It's not something that we own. It's something that yeah. we have. You know, we have for the moment. Yeah, I, I, yeah, definitely. I, I did find it hard in the past, especially when I was kind of thinking I should be running faster than I was for a couple of my marathons. It was so hard to kind of not just want to wake up the next day and start training again. And I have to remember, like after my first marathon, I was just so over the moon with my time. And then a year later, I'm almost thinking I'm running a similar time and thinking, oh, I should be going faster. Like you, you need to kind of make give force yourself to kind of take the, the good things out of each race which is obviously sometimes easier than others but um especially after London just gone in October I was just so grateful to have a place in that race <laughs> because I was the slowest seeded runner going into it I was just so grateful to get to run so I was almost kind of savoring that even before I'd done it I was just so happy to kind of be at the hotel and be going to do it and then afterwards like obviously for so so many people sadly didn't have races to do so it was so nice how enthusiastic like my friends and, and run, fellow runners kind of were and wanted to hear about the race where I thought they might be a bit kind of oh I don't want to hear about it because I can't I'm not doing one at the moment kind of thing so it was really nice to be able to like tell everyone about that and really enjoy getting that 233 
Um, so I, yeah, I, I definitely, um, I definitely try and make sure that I spend a good couple of weeks after a, a big race, kind of enjoying the downtime and enjoying the race before I start the next one. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And I just want to go back to something you just said there about, and you've said it in other interviews as well about being you know, one of the lowest seeded people going into the London Marathon. So mm. I'm thinking, is it with two things, and it could be, it could be the third option. Is it something about an imposter syndrome you're sort of thinking, which is why you mention it, or mm. is it like the reverse psychology thing that you enjoy being the underdog and enjoy being underestimated and proving yourself? Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of advantage to have going into a race without people expecting you to do anything because for my target for that race was to sit on the, the back group and sit on them as for as long as I possibly could I'd expect them to pull away from me, but if I could just kind of hold on, I was bound to get a good time in the end because I knew I was in a, in good shape. So there was a lot of, it was quite good to go into that race knowing that anything that I did was either going to be as, as expected or better. <laughs> Obviously, it's a lot different when you go into a race as the favourite or, or one of the better runners and you have to deliver. So that was a good thing but I must yeah I would say there was a lot of kind of imposter syndrome element to it too because even though before the race that's what I was telling myself was well I only have to go and run and I'm and it will go well when you get to the hotel and you're it's full of the best runners in the world you're kind you real like it is a little bit of a scary thing and you you kind of know that there that there may not be anyone for you to run with or yeah to you may mile one you may be just at the back so it was quite scary but I think, if anything, it was a huge advantage for me to go in as the underdog. <laughs> and how do you kind of mentally shake that off? Because like you said, you go into the race, it's four in the morning, it's freezing cold, it's raining. <laughs> and you're thinking, you know, yeah. people expecting me to be here, but you end up being a second place Brit at the end. So, I mean, how do you kind of shake that off to kind of just run your own race and come up with PR? Yeah, I think, I mean, I had, had a lot of kind of chats with my coach building up to it to decide what to do, because there was two options, really. I could either start the race at my own pace so because I I had kind of gone in thinking 233 was about right so I, I was super pleased to get it on those conditions because that was kind of what I thought I would run so I was happy to do that so I could have gone in on 233 pace and I, from the beginning just I'd be I'd let everyone go basically and be at the back or I could sit on the back of the slightly faster pace group uh, with some of the faster Brits and see how long I could hold on and so I think we decided you know I had to go in with the confidence to sit on the pack and and know if I needed to pull back which I did do at one kind of earlier stage if I did need to pull back then I would but it would be my decision with the confidence that I was sticking to my pace rather than oh no I'm dropping off everyone else so it was really kind of having to put yourself into your own bubble within a bubble <laughs> within a COVID bubble um, your own bubble to kind of have the confidence to pull back if I had to rather than worry that people kind of judging me or thinking that I shouldn't have been there um so yeah I just had to kind of give myself a talking to and 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 run my own race really I think it's so cool to get that background because people can just look at the result and just think oh it was just easy for you you just turned up and you did it but obviously there's a stuff beforehand <laughs> and you could have easily folded and you know just not done what you've done so I think that's so cool to hear yeah I think as well like I I ran the time that I kind of anticipated I would run it was only maybe because of other people other people's performances that I ended up kind of 
position wise where I was like I wasn't expecting to be second Brit with 233 so that was almost an added bonus rather than than anything else really so I just had to go and execute my 233 race and whatever was happening around me was kind of just separate to that yeah like you said it was a bubble within a bubble within a bubble mm. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I like that to it's like yeah it's just like you know, making sure you just like focus on what you can control really so no I think that's really cool to hear and when you reflect on you know the 2020 London Marathon I mean can you sort of share how your thoughts differ from immediately after the race to when you reflect on it sitting where you are today um yeah I mean it was tricky for me because um I had so many kind of thoughts and feelings afterwards because I ran 233 which was my plan but um I was also four seconds off of the first Brit and I crossed the line almost elated and then immediately thought oh I was only four seconds off of winning <laughs> you just straight away you think oh I could have done xyz so yeah even even within the first kind of minute I had two completely different like feelings about the race but I think on the whole for this one I have just been really pleased that I got to do it at all in a Covid year and that I went and did kind of what I I kind of told the event organisers you know if you let me in I think I can run this time so I was just so pleased so relieved to actually do it um but it has it's given me a lot of confidence in that that was the first marathon I felt like I'd raced so that you know, I was pulling back when I had to, and then I was pushing on to catch people. And, you know, I was racing it as a race rather than just kind of a 26 mile run, which previously they kind of had been to me. So I, what I've learned from it and what I've reflected on it is, you know, it does, the time will come, the times will come if you kind of give the race, like the respect it deserves and you give the people in the race, the respect they deserve and you use them and use it as a race um, so that's really what I'm going to take into my next one is maybe, yeah, just trying to to read it a bit more as a, a proper race than just a run, which um, normally the marathon has been for me because it was all just a case of getting to the finish line, really. So, yeah, I don't think I've, uh, I think I've been quite positive about that one overall, even though I do wish I'd run five seconds quicker <laughs> for first Brit. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to get my head around the difference between when you say reviewing it as a as a run and a race. Do you think mm. that would have put more pressure on you thinking it of a race? Um, I don't think more? so. I, I think it's more um, like it it was not so much a race in the sense of like I want to place you know first, second, third, but just how like most of the race run the marathons I've done before you know you turn up you start your watch you run 26 miles and it's and you you there's a point where it's just about getting to the finish line and finishing for yourself and yeah. you're almost kind of every, there might be 30,000 people running but you're all just trying to run a time or as fast as you can whereas it was the first time where I realized the people the pace groups around me and what other people were doing around me you know could be used to my advantage even if it was me saying okay well I'm, I'm doing my own thing here and I'm going to pull back a bit and then later I'm going to come and and try and overtake you or pass you or you know you could I can use you to help me pick up in the latter stages it's just more um yeah it's just more of a race kind of feel to it for me than like just trying to get to the finish line which was a really po- real positive thing for me because I finished thinking oh I could probably go faster next time rather than just collapsing over the finish line and you know barely being able to walk so yeah. I think it's just kind of it, it's kind of a natural thing that happens as you 
yeah. get a little bit faster, really. <laughs> but I guess as well, there's something else to be mindful of and, and with that attitude as well and the way you sort of see it is it's a smaller field and you had, you know, the, the laps, you know, so you were more aware of like where you were each lap and where everyone else was. Mm, sometimes in a point to point, it's just like <laughs> once they've gone, you know, they've gone and you're kind of in yeah. your, your bubble going to the, to the end. So... Yeah, the lap spec made it feel a lot more like a kind of track environment than a normal marathon, certainly. Yeah, for sure. And like, how do you sort of view the idea of potential, like your potential post your PB at London? I know you spoke about the idea of, you know, wanting to look at it more of a race, but how do you sort of look at your own sort of performance and how you can move that forwards? Yeah, I mean, I would love to continue to make steps forward like really I don't really have a end goal other than just running as fast as I can really um but certainly I would love to get the Olympic qualifying time as kind of like my next big target whether it's this trial or or maybe or later in the year or whenever but I, that's kind of my next big goal and I think I'm kind of working well towards that um but really yeah I'm I just want to keep chipping off and going as fast as I can really um I guess setting us it's good to set yourself targets, but you also don't want to end up you, you never know if you might even be able to go do better than you think. So I just want to go as fast as possible really. I know it might sound like a really basic question, but what is it about going fast in the marathon distance that kind of appeals to the runner that you are at the moment? Uh I don't know. I think I mean ever I think everyone loves uh racing it's just for some people you know it's the 100 meter sprint or the or 5k is they, they get that real feeling of racing I think for me my my talents lie in in the longer distances so I tend to find I'm not particularly fast but as my threshold develops and as I as my endurance develops I can hold a pace for quite a long time compared to like my kind of 5k 10k ability so I just love you know the thought of like a few years ago I couldn't run one mile at six minute miling and now I can run a marathon at my last one I think was about 550 minute miling so it's just the kind of just seeing how much you can push yourself to be able to hold a pace for that long is is that's just what I enjoy other people enjoy you know going as fast as possibly they possibly can but for me it's it's seeing times that I couldn't even do for anywhere near the length of time before suddenly being hold I can hold it for a whole marathon so that's what I like. <laughs> That's amazing to hear. And I think it's so encouraging for other people. And like, you know, if you stick at it, you can get to those times. And, mm. you know, like you said, you, you are super grateful from like where you started and to, to be able to hold those paces and, you know, feel like a decent pace Whereas maybe, you know, some people, you know, run paces and think, oh, at some point that was their 5k pace, but then they can run that for a marathon. It's just such mm. an amazing thing to, to do. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what I love about it is kind of, realizing how like you, you used to be able to do it for one pace and now you can string for one distance now you can string it out for even longer and also just the feeling you get after a marathon or even just a long training session for me is it's like a different feeling to going and doing a kind of quick track session it's like exhaustion but can't, you're just so happy to be so exhausted if you if you've hit your target so yeah I just love that so I'll keep doing it until I can't do it <laughs> Yeah, that, that's so encouraging to hear. And I just want to move to the final stretch of the, the conversation. Hmm. And what guests would you like to hear on the show? Oh, I don't know, really. Um, my huge inspiration at the moment is is um, Sarah Hall, because she obviously she ran the London Marathon and ran so incredibly well. So 
and uh you know she's a christian as well and has um four um adopted children who it's just their whole life seems so incredible to me so I i like to hear people with stories kind of in running but also outside of running that can be so motivational um so I'm sure there are lots of people like that that have you know other aspects to their life that that just make the running side even more impressive really yeah and I think yeah just I think for me like she'd be a great guest and I think other people mentioned her as well and I always sort of go back to that final kick at London I think that's so incredible but then she was like a miler wouldn't she when she was at Stamford so she had yeah I think she's steeplechase as well so the shorter kind of quicker stuff definitely yeah I mean, in my head, that's how I run when I'm sprinting, but like, that's not how I run. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I wish my the last bit of my marathon was, but <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> you think that that four seconds, yeah, just that, like final kick, yeah, but maybe yeah. next time, maybe next time. Mm. Anyhow, so from the outside looking in, I, I imagine people would have like preconceived ideas of who they think you are, but who do you see looking back at you when you look at the mirror, type thing? Mm. I don't know. I see myself as a lots of things. I, I'm a wife. Uh, I'm a Christian. Um, I'm an accountant. Although I try not to <laughs> think too much about that bit. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the running is becoming more and more of who I am. You know, I am looking more towards kind of taking that more seriously and maybe even doing that uh, a bit more full time. But definitely, I like to remind myself of all the other aspects of who I am and um, the other things that are important to me because. If, if you let the running rule you, then I think it's only going to make it harder. So, yeah, just to be hopefully well-rounded. <laughs> what makes you feel most empowered? I don't, I don't know. I think most empowered. I think just, like, knowing that, what, like, whatever happens, I've, I've got a... There's a plan for me and there's a path for me. So just kind of going forward in life with a confidence that I don't have to worry because whatever happens is is going to be right and that might not be fun or it might not be what I want but that ultimately I just have kind of faith that um, I'll be where I need to be so not not putting so much worry on things is very freeing. That's a great I think it's a great lesson really so though thank you for sharing that and if you could get in like a DeLorean like back to the future style and go back in the future and speak to your younger yeah. self what one piece of advice would you say to yourself hmm. I don't know I'd say I'd probably just say like keep at it because there were so many times where you, and that's not just the running just lots of things because there are so many times when I kind of thought about giving up or quitting things but um I can see from my like perseverance that things can things ha- do happen in the end so just keep at it and yeah have confidence <laughs> it's a hard one though isn't it at that age when I think you're trying to find who you are and I think maybe that comes as you get a little bit more sure in yourself but yeah it'd be nice yeah. to have that reassuring voice to be like it's going to be okay you're going to be you're going to be fine mm, yeah definitely <laughs> what is one non-negotiable behavior habit or superstition that you do daily hmm. I always do I always try and be thankful for one thing I think some people do the three things you're grateful for every day that kind of thing but for me it's always just one thing I'm thankful for that day even if it's just 
dinner. <laughs> um, I think it can really put you in the right frame of mind. Yeah, I agree. Because I think on one hand, you're looking for something to be grateful for. Otherwise, you could be looking for something to go wrong. And it's, it has a mm. great way to sort of tr- transfer into other areas of your life, I imagine. Yeah, I think another thing as well, I would say, which is a little bit more practical is I just always like if I if I don't want to do something in my training, I, I always just kind of say I always give myself the time and the opportunity to do it. So if I think oh, I'm so tired, and I don't want to run today. I don't force myself out the door, but I always try and make sure that I've at least given myself the time so that I have the option to go and do it rather than kind of working so late that it you know it runs past you and, and you don't have the time so just leaving yourself enough time to do what do what you need to do for yourself that day just like even if it's only half an hour of every day just giving yourself your own bit of time on one hand it's like being a kind yourself but then also try not to fall into that place of having like a one person pity party <laughs> yeah and yeah and also not just kind of um not just like I don't like to think that things like center around me and like there it's important for me to kind of support my husband and like other people in my life but it's it's if you don't give yourself time to pursue your own goals and like work hard at the things that you love then you're not going to be your best in the best position to help other people so it's important yeah Naomi it's been great talking to you I mean I've been so inspired just by the work that you've done to you know get from you know sub three down to you know 233 and running the London Marathon and just sort of seeing you is so encouraging for you know amateur runners that want to kind of kick on like I said I'm looking to reduce my time so seeing your journey is really encouraging to see and no thank you for sort of being so open and sort of sharing some, some of those sort of things that have helped you and where can people follow your journey online? Yeah, so uh, I'm mainly on Inst- just on Instagram. So that's uh, naomi.sarah.mitchell. I don't really use uh, Twitter or anything. So yeah, if you want to follow me, then that's the place to find me. Awesome. No, thank you for being a guest on A Runner's Life. Well, thank you so much for having me and good luck in your own marathon pursuits as well. I'm sure that you're not far away from getting that. What is it? Was it in the two thirties? Your coach reckons that's next for you. <laughs> I think that's a, probably a little way away, but I think the the next aim is to get like a London Championship place, so yeah, sub two forties, and then you know work towards what that potential could be around the two thirties. Mm. So and I, enjoy I, those um, intermittent uh, achievements as well, rather than always. Sometimes if someone tells you you can do something, then almost that's all that you'll want to think about. So enjoy those intermittent victories as well. I think you're so right. It's enjoying it. It's so key. I mean, like, to be honest, like, even though when I did my stuff through last year, I'm still enjoying it. I haven't really had a down point since. Because <laughs> I know yeah. how hard it took me to, you know, how much work it took me to get there. Yeah. So I'm just, like, still enjoying it. Yeah. And you'll have it forever now. <laughs> yeah. But not enjoy it to the set where you're just, like, enjoying it and you stop training. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it, but I keep working. Anyhow, thank you for being a guest on the Runner's Life. It's been amazing talking to you. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Runner's Life. If you found value in this episode and you want to support the show, please share with your community, post on your social media channels and encourage them to listen and subscribe. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash a runner's life. If you want to get updates on the podcast or you want to see what I'm up to, you can follow me on Instagram at a runner's life 
underscore podcast and at the marathon markers your time is valuable so thank you for spending your time listening to this episode of a runner's life podcast